That is scripture straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we get to uh, hear what love, the true definition of what love is really all about. Listen, I'm excited about being able to share with you today about relationships. This whole month we are doing a series on relationships. And today I'm going to be talking about having healthy and intimate relationships and what that looks like and, and, and why, why each and every one of us need to have healthy and intimate relationships in our life. And so last Sunday, I started it by uh, talking about relationships, what they mean, and uh, do you have a meaningful relationship? Are they meaningless? And so we kind of covered that last Sunday. And if you remember, uh, we, we dealt with in Genesis chapter 1, God said the words about let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So God's the one who's all about relationships. And God is even in a relationship with himself as far as Father and Son and Holy Spirit is going on there. And so that's what we kind of covered last week. And then what, uh, what happened in, in Genesis chapter 1, if you, uh, if you remember the account of creation, God created everything in six days. And if you remember, as he did that, in each, at the end of each creation day, God said these words, it is good. It is good. And then, at the end of the creation, when it came to making man, male and female, he said, it is very good. But we get into Genesis chapter 2, and we see a fine line. What we do is we get to see a, more of a, where God zooms in to creation day 6 when he created man. And kind of God zooms in, he gets in on the creation process and how it really went down when he made Adam and when he made Eve. And so if you see this, you'll find before there was ever any, any sin in the world, before there was the fall of man, before the devil came and tempted Eve, God said these words, it is not good that man should be alone. Isn't that interesting that God said that? It is not good that man should be alone. So here's the first thing that I wanted to share with you. God saw that man needed woman. He did. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been married now for 31 years. And God knew. I'm, I'm, I, I'm one of those that I needed a woman like my wife in my life. I needed her. Now, I'm going to say this to each and every one of you in this room because I'm going to address singles in the room as well as those that are married. And listen, here's the truth. God does call some to singleness, and that is to be elevated. But God didn't call me to do that, okay? I'm just being honest with you. He didn't call me to be a single. And when I found Angie, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, okay? And she was my good thing, absolutely, 100% good thing for me and the thing that I've noticed is that I needed her because she is a compliment of me the very areas that I'm weak in my life she compliments and she blesses me in those lines what's going on I'm fuzzy am I fuzzy out there this morning or am I good
Testing, all right. Okay, just get this off of me then. Yeah, it's gone. I got a handheld now. I'm done. All right. It don't matter. It don't matter. Get it off. All right. Once I'm done, I'm done. Okay, here we go. that better? Is that about the same or it doesn't matter? All right, here we go. Where was I? Were y'all listening? Where was I? God saw that man needs woman. Okay? He knew that man needed woman. Uh, here's, the, here's the point in the message, men, when I say this, that you're going to give a hearty approval. If, you, if your spouse or, or special person's next to you, this is your time. God knew that man needed woman. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, amen. Yep. Whatever it might be, he knew that you needed the woman. He does that. He knows that. And boy, how does he know that? He knew. And here's the second one. Being alone is not a good thing for anyone. Okay? Being alone is not a good thing for anyone. And so we all need healthy and intimate relationships in our life. And in fact, the number of singles that are increasing in America is amazing. I know that uh, a recent study that I looked at said that now 50 point something percent are single. Well, now this study was based on if you were 16 and older, uh, you were put into the single category. But if you go up to like 18 and above, it drops down to like 48, 49 percent of Americans are single. And so to be single, there's three different types of singles. There are those singles that are looking for a relationship. They want to be in a relationship. And that's the first type. And then there's the second type. There are the singles that are single again. They were in a relationship. And they may be or they may not be looking for a relationship. It just depends. And then the, there's the final group of singles. And that is the group that is single and they're fine and they're not really looking to be in a relationship with someone. And so what I want to do is applaud all of you that are single. I want to encourage you that are single because Paul even said, I wish that you were like me, that you didn't have to have your interests divided because he said when a man has a woman and has a wife, his interests are divided. He's got to take care of her. He's got to take care of the little ones as they cry or gets up in the night to do that. Doesn't, isn't that amen, men, or do you let the woman take care of that, all right? But anyway, the thing that happens is, is that man, God knew that man needed to have a relationship with a woman, but he knew also that some men were going to be devoted to him. And they wouldn't have their interests divided by anything. And so they might give themselves to the Lord. But here's the thing. It is better to be single and not in an intimate relationship with another person if that's not the one God wants for you in your life. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot worse things than being married. And that's being married to the wrong person. And being in a bad relationship, abusive relationship, and those kind of things are very, very hurtful and damaging. And it's better to just be in that singleness and walk with the Lord. And don't, don't be looking for love in all the wrong places, okay? I mean, the song has got it right. 
when it says it, but just fall in love with Jesus. Run to Jesus. And I've always said this to couples, uh, even as they, we did premarital counseling, is that is if you run to Jesus, you just run to him, and then one day you'll look over and you'll f see somebody else running to Jesus. And then when you see them, you go, hey, and you just keep running to Jesus. And then you just keep going down that trail, and then all of a sudden you'll find out that you've crossed paths and you're, you've got the same interests and the likes and different things, but God will take care of those things as long as you do what? You give your heart to God. Because listen, if you give your heart to God, God will raise up that person to say, okay, I can trust that heart to that individual at this time. You know, I t we've told all four of our kids this. And we teach them this, and we try to train them in this. We want them to grow up, get married, and move out. Amen? We want that. We want grandbabies. Amen? Amen. They're precious. We want all of that. But we also want them to fulfill what God has in store for them. And so I'm saying all of that to say this. Adam and Eve were in this situation. And uh, being alone is not a good thing for anyone. And so, point five, we all need health relationships for our survival. It is, it is that important. We do not do well alone. And this is coming from a guy named Robert Weiss. Now, I'm, I've quoted him because Robert Weiss is a relational expert. He deals with a lot of addictions and things along those lines. So if you want to Google him after church and read up on him, he can help you because he, he relates mainly, and I think one of the, there's all kinds of addictions out there, but in relational addictions, he is one of the key leading sources to go to because he'll, he'll give you some real clean insight into it. Now, I want to tell you what was going on in the first relationship, Adam and Eve. They, they were living in paradise, y'all. They were living in the most intimate way. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis 2 here that they were naked and not even ashamed. They were in such an open transparency with one another. You know, early on in, um, in my relationship with Angie, I, my wife, I, I decided it was extremely important for me to be transparent with her. So I told her about any girlfriends that I had in my past. And she told me about any boyfriends that she had in her past. And you know why I did that? Because I didn't want them showing up. And then she being surprised, you know, about it. At least she would have known about it. Now, I didn't go into all the details of any of these relationships. I went in. If she asked me, I would be honest enough to share some of it. But she, I told her enough. That, she, that we built that open, honest trust. And y'all, that's, that's huge. That is huge in a relationship. Now, some of you might be feeling that there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could tell this other individual about all my past. And it gets into what is kind of known as um, an area that is an is a intimacy disorder that we're going to be looking at here in just a minute. But it's, you got to be willing to truly trust someone is to open up and be honest with them. 
in the relationship. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Here's another thing that I wanted you to see. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve experienced that fullest of intimacy with each other, but here's next. As Adam and Eve discovered, self-centered acts of disobedience drive a wedge in relationships. They discovered it. Why? Because Eve was told by Adam what she, the only rule they had in the whole garden was you cannot eat from this tree over here of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you'll die. So that's the only rule they had to go by. But Eve listened to the devil, the serpent. She was deceived, and she gave in. But see, Adam knew. Adam knew the rules as well, and then Adam gave in. But what happened because of sin, the wedge, Eve basically decided, I'm going to put my own interests, and Adam did too, my own interests ahead of the others. And she wanted to be like God, and so she took of it. And Adam willfully sinned as well. And so listen, y'all, because of sin that came into that relationship and that act of disobedience, self-centeredness came in. And I want to tell you, uh, this is really how it went down early in the years of my marriage. Um, I would have told you I was happily married in the first three or four years of my marriage. But the truth was, I wasn't. I thought I was, but my wife didn't think that we were that happily married. And I'm going to tell you why. It was because I was self-centered. I was just thinking about myself. Listen, man, I, had, I was living down there, living the life. I was, I was hunting. I was fishing. I was, every night I'd go off, I'd play basketball in the evening or softball in the spring. It was either, I was gone. In other words, when it came time to be home, I would leave and go do something and then come home. Uh, I'd eat and then leave. Then come back and, oh, come here, honey. Let's get, let's get tight. Okay, come on, sweetie. You know, I, that's what I did. And I thought I, I had it made, man. I had it made. But what I come to find out was <coughs> I was really just being selfish. And really what love is, is love... You do love yourself, but love is putting the other person's interest and their desires ahead of your very own. And that's what God did when he showed his love toward us. He put the love of his son. He demonstrated his love by giving his son to us, who went and died on a cross for us. Even though Jesus had never done anything wrong, he'd never sinned, he'd never done anything out of line, he went and he paid the ultimate love sacrifice to lay down his life for us. That's love. And you know what I was doing? I was just selfishly living, living for myself. And, and in fact, uh, it, the intimacy I thought was okay. And I thought the relationship was healthy, but in reality, it was not. And then I went and I finally went through some things. I learned some things about myself and I got some help and then I started really showing the kind of love that she needed and listen by the way if you love if you love the other person the way God has told you to love them you won't have to worry about them responding in the way that love is because they will respond if I love my wife the way that Christ loves his church and lay down his life for his church I don't have to worry about her responding in the right way she will respond 
because you are showing the love of God to them in a special way. I hope this is making sense to you. Is it? Is this connecting? Is this relating? I hope it is. But listen, if you're that single person and you're still going, well, I just don't want to be alone, you just keep on loving God. And you just keep on in that love relationship and you trust him. And it's like one boy uh, said, hey, if you want to find a good, if you want to find a one-night stand, you go to a bar. But if you want to find a good woman to spend the rest of your life with, you go to the kind of place you can find her. And that might be, and he said, go to church. And he said, okay, all right, that's a good place to start right there. But, you know, that's how I found my wife. Uh, I was singing in a gospel group, singing bass. Can you imagine that? A bass singer in a gospel group. Now, I just blew some of y'all away. You know, we had on uh, polyester suits. I had that uh, burnt orange polyester suit on. We all had the matching suits, and boy, you know, I could, we didn't do Elvira, but, uh, you know, from the Oak Ridge Boys, but I could do it. But, you know, that's how she fell in love with that person. And then I had to, I found out she could sing. And then when you put a couple of people that can sing together, then guess what? You start having babies that can sing and play <laughs> instruments and stuff like that. And then they end up, you know, with you. So it's, it's a good thing. But God has a sense of humor in everything that he does with us. But I hope this is connecting. The one lesson that we need to get out of all of this is we cannot ignore the, the needs and the interests of those that we're the closest to. Remember last week when I talked to you about meaningful relationships and how you'd go out and see a family going to eat and everybody's on their phone and nobody's talking to each other? You remember when I shared that story? Well, we went down for my wife's, uh, my mother-in-law's birthday. We are all, yesterday, none of them that were in the room, four people in the room other than me, none of them heard the message last week, and guess what? I sat in the room, and all four of them were on devices, and they all four, whether it was an iPad, whether it was uh, over here on a laptop, or whether it was, it was two iPhones. And I sat right there in the den, and I just looked around. I looked around. And, I, and it, it just hit me. I, I said, well, they didn't. Obviously, they didn't hear the message last week. And, and, it, and it hit me. What would somebody from 100 years ago, if they were to walk into the room of an average American family and they witnessed us, what would they think from 100 years ago? They would probably think, what are these devices in these people's hands that have their attention so much? Because nobody's talking to one another. It's pretty bad when you're in the same room and you're texting your kids and they're texting back. That's pretty bad, you know, but it's happened. I've had to get their attention that way before. Hey, what's up? You know, I'm here. Let's connect. Let's talk face to face. But I don't know. I, I just went back to that. But knowing the interests and the needs of others Listen, to be honest, being single now, I don't, I, it would be tough to go back to that because how do you relate? I mean, between all the media out there to relate to someone and all the sites out there that try to get you connected, I mean, it's a challenge for you. And I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm not making fun or anything. I'm just saying that that would be hard to go to that because how do you relate to someone that wants to just text you all the time? You know, it would, 
it would cause me to want to get to be face to face with someone, to get to really know someone, you know, and that's, y'all, that's key. And here's another thing. How do you get to, to that point of being intimate and healthy in a relationship? Ladies, if you go on a date with a guy and all he wants to do is sit there and talk about himself, ding, there's your sign, okay? Because if a guy truly cares about you and he wants to know you, he's going to really sit there and he's going to begin to ask questions about you. Now, you might not want to talk about yourself, but that's, that's a good sign. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for a guy that will open up the door. You're looking for that guy that's going to pull out the chair. You know, the one that's doing those kind of things, those are your signs. And then, hey, we guys, we get married, we still do that. Amen. You know, I told my wife this. I said, honey, I'm guilty, y'all. And I said, honey, when you start sitting next to me as close as you used to, I'll start opening the door and doing those things like I used to. No, I, I was teasing. But, hey, I was making a point, but just teasing. Because, listen, when, when we used to go down the road, it looked like one head. You know what I'm talking about? One head. Now, if you're on the motorcycles, it does look like one head because it's lined up. Okay, bro? But, you know... It was that way. And you know, it, and that's, that's in your space, but you don't mind that, do you, fellas, when you're going down that road? Because, you know, when God created woman for man, he took her from his side. It says real, but it actually means side. And when he said, this is now bone in my bone and flesh in my flesh, she was taken from his side because she's created equally to him. And she was taken from his side because he is not to put her under his feet, and neither is she to be his head, but she is in a place. One of my wife's favorite places is when she lays her head right here to my heart, and I got my arm around her. And, and, I, and I thought, why is it that that's her favorite spot? It's because it's right at my side. You know, men have one less rib than women because we do, because God took that one. And so... Here's a good line. You could, men, you can tell your wife, you're my prime rib. You are my prime rib. Okay, use that one. I always tell her, this is my prime rib right here because she, she's out of me, all right? God used her, and so you're looking for that prime rib. And ladies and guys, you're looking to be that down in that relationship. So, and I also said... The other reason is, is because she's close to my heart. And that's the key. And it's, it's that oneness and that's that heart in that relationship that makes it healthy. Now, I told you I was going to share something with you from the guy named uh, Robert Weiss. And it's about uh, an intimacy disorder. And Robert Weiss describes it as this. It's the inability to find, to tolerate, or stay in relationships that involve the risks that come with being fully known. And you know, there's a lot of people that, that have addictions that end up with an intimacy disorder. It's what they end up with because just as they're in it, the closer they get to someone, 
and they are afraid of being fully unknown, what happens is they pull away. How many of you ever thought there is no way that person could love me if they really knew everything there was to know about me? There's no way they could. Well, listen, God knows everything there is to know about you. But did you hear the song this morning that they sang, Oh, He Loves Me? How many of you in this room during that song felt like there is no way God could love me? He just doesn't know. You just don't know what I've done. There is no way that God can love me like what I'm hearing this song say. But the truth is, God loves you and me unconditionally. And it doesn't matter what you do or what you've done. Nothing will ever change the fact that he loves you. I have four kids, and that, they can do all kinds of things that might be disobedient, but nothing will ever change the fact that I love my kids, and I'm there for my kids no matter what. God wants us to have that kind of relationship with our spouses. Now listen, and the love of your life, listen, there, there may come that time that where you might, you might be feeling, well, if they knew that about me, they might not love me. Listen, unconditional love loves regardless, regardless. And the only way you and I can do that is to have the love of God in our life. We cannot produce it with our friendship love or our eros love, which is, which is sexual love, the only kind of love that can do that is agape love, and it's God's love, and it's unconditional. How many of you messed up this past week? How many of you sinned in this room? Okay, I did. How many of you are glad today that God forgives you when you confess that sin? I am. Now, I've heard a lot of you say, boy, we've been sick lately. The kids have been sick. The other ones have been sick. The flu. Uh, strep throat, a lot of that's been going around, viruses and stuff. I want to give you, in closing, real quick, a prescription. If, if your relationships of intimacy are not healthy, you need a doctor. And I'm going to give you, the doctor's name is Jesus. And I'm going to give you the prescription from his word that will help each and every one of us. Now, I know some of us men in this room, we don't want to go see a doctor. Man, we'll stay sick as long as we can stay sick. We're almost to our deathbed before we'll even go see a doctor. And I ain't sick, I'll just fight it off. I'll just keep going. And you know what I'm talking about. And next thing, we'll end up in the hospital uh, with something. But here's the, here's the thing when it comes to relationships. You can't put off. Here's your prescription, and here it comes. I've got it written down here. It's the RS, RX subscription, uh, prescription. First thing we got to do, you got to confess. You got to come clean. You got to confess your sin. If there's any sin in your life, you got to come clean. The Bible says humble yourself. Confess it. Here's the good thing. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when, when people that you're close to know that there's something wrong with you, they know there's something there. They know. They just can't put their finger on it. And a lot of times, when, um, when, if you keep hiding it and you don't confess it, then they know that there's something there, but they begin to blame themselves. They begin to blame, oh, it must be me. It must be me that's wrong in this relationship. 
when we should humble ourselves and we should go. If it's something that we've dealt and done wrong, we need to go confess it, which means to agree, which means to admit and come clean in that relationship. I want to give you a great verse that's found in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. And it's a beautiful verse that we should hear. And it says this, He who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will find compassion or mercy. In other words, if you try to conceal your sin, you're not going to prosper. You're not going to get better. But if you come clean, confess it, and forsake it, then you'll find compassion and mercy. Don't you love that verse? And, you know, a lot of times I've sinned before in, in my relationship with God, and, and I didn't want to come clean. I didn't want to admit it. But as soon as I did, I felt a whole lot better. As soon as I confessed it. It's like knowing you're sick and you need to throw up and you just don't want to throw up. Well, as soon as you throw up, guess what? You feel a whole lot better. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about here is coming clean. Get it out of you. If, if there's a sin, if there's a sickness, if there's something in you, you got to get it out. you got to get it out. The second thing is, is about renewing and filling our mind with the right things. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it's, it's about presenting your body and renewing your mind and, and filling it. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, it says, Present your body as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to him. Okay, so present your body is what it says, as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable spiritual service of worship. And then it says this in verse 2, And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we got to change our mind about certain things. That's part of the prescription. It's changing our mindset on it. One of my favorite expressions I hear my daddy tell my mama is, I am not a mind reader. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Like, he, when she, he goes to the grocery store, he needs a list of the things. And sometimes he still might not get it right. But he has told my mama many times, I am not a mind reader. And so the fact is, every day... We need to have our minds renewed, and we need to have them transformed. And you know how the prescription for that is God's Word, renewing our minds. And then we also need to fill our minds with the right things. Philippians 4.8 gives us a whole list of the right things to fill our mind with. Let me tell you what some of them are. Whatever's true, truth, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellency, if anything, worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So in order, it's like this, if you want to get garbage out, you need to put something in. And so come clean and confess, but then fill your mind with the right things of, of what's right and pure and lovely, the good things of God. Isn't that good? But, you know, this is part of the prescription that we are to do and to take. And then here's the next one. We are to walk in the Spirit and not carry out the desires or the lust of the flesh. You know, there's three things. There's a lust of the eyes. There's the lust of the flesh, and there's the boastful pride of life. And those are the three areas you're going to get hit in. 
I don't know. I don't know about you, but every full moon, I get hit harder than any other time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Full moon was on Friday. All right, it was crazy. But this past week, the old devil lifted his head in big ways this past week. And people just get mean and ornery. And people pull out in front of you while you're going down the road. And you're going to get tested. I'm going to tell you. You're going to get tested. Particularly when you're talking about this kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, it happens. And we cannot walk after the flesh, the fleshly desires. Because the flesh is going to put yourself up first. And what the Spirit does is the Spirit allows us to put Jesus on the throne and walk in his spirit and then to put others ahead of our own interests. It's about loving God and loving others. And then finally, be accountable to someone. You got to have a brother. You got to have somebody or a sister to talk to, someone that you're close to, someone that you can confide in, someone you can trust, someone that's not going to go and whatever you tell them, they're going to turn around and go tell somebody else and hurt you You'd never choose anyone like that. You find someone you can completely trust. And some might need to actually go to a counselor. If you've got issues that are really deep and you need to go talk, listen, going to a counselor, some people think that's for crazy people. No, it's not. It's for people who want to get better. It's for people who want to be healed. And so I encourage you to do that. Here's one of the things that it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. It says, two are better than one because they know a, a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his, his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. In other words, if you're down and you don't have somebody to go to, you don't have somebody that can help lift you up. And we all need, that's what goes back. Nobody should be doing this alone. We all need each other. And one of the tricks and the traps of the enemy is to try to make you feel like you're all alone, to try to isolate you and separate you and get you out there to where you, you feel like there's nobody in the world that cares and there's nobody that can feel what I'm feeling right now. That's the work of the devil, to try to isolate you. And we all need to have somebody that we're accountable to and that we can talk to. And here's a, a beautiful verse in James 5, verse 16. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You may be healed. For the effective prayers of a righteous man can accomplish much. And so praying for one another and confessing and I'm not talking about having to go to a priest or coming to me and confessing all your sins. I'm talking about sharing them with that person or with that person you've hurt. So here's the, there's the prescription. So what am I to do next? Well, if you've got a relationship that's hurting, that needs healing, I've given you the prescription to do it. What should you do? First, humble yourself and go and confess and to say to them, I have done wrong. Will you forgive me? And then tell them what you've done wrong. We taught our kids early. It's not okay to say, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh-uh, that don't cut it. And your kids will want to do that. You say, go, now you hit your brother. You go over here and you apologize to him. Uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Well, here's what you got to do. You, we taught them, 
You've got to go over here and ask your brother to forgive you for what you did wrong. And we've got them to say it out, what they did wrong. Oh, will you forgive me for hitting you? Will you forgive me for saying that? That's what we taught them. And why did we do that? Because we knew this principle in the scripture. Because... It's so easy to just say, I'm sorry. Has, has anybody ever apologized to you and you knew they didn't mean it? Yeah. But when somebody comes to you and they begin to weep and they, they said, it's me, it's not you, it's me, and they begin to tell you all the things they've done wrong and say, will you, will you forgive me? I, I know you probably might not, but would you forgive me? I'm going to tell you, that one ends up well when it goes down, okay? Well, that's the keys to having intimate and healthy relationships because, listen, look to the person next to you and go, I know you're not perfect. I know you're not perfect, but I still love you. And we can, let's work on a relationship. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you created us where we need each other.